All right, all right, all right. Let's get fired up here. Maximum freedom. Read. <laughs> well, hello and welcome to the actual Anarchy Podcast, the podcast where we talk about movies from a Rothbardian anarcho capitalist perspective. My name is Daniel Elwood, and my host is Robert Johnson. And we're going to be talking about police story. This is what a police story looks like uh, to follow the chant. This is what a police state looks like. It is also what a police state looks like as we are all locked in our homes and uh, having a virtual meeting, maintaining social distancing, and all of that due to the pandemic that is affecting us globally and everyone's in a hysteric. Uh, panic buying all the toilet paper. I've been checking daily, multiple times a day, to try to buy toilet paper on Costco.com and to no avail thus far. This is episode 174 of the show. Find the show notes more at actualanarchy.com slash 174. Let's check in with Robert, whose entrepreneurial efforts have been derailed, at least damaged uh, irreparably at this point. Robert, how are things on the ground uh, where you sit uh, in the restaurant biz? There it is. Excellent timing. Thank you very much. Hello, everybody. Yeah, yeah I just the, have to mute you for a moment there, you know, because I have the power. Oh, I understand you need to exercise your authoritarian power over me. I completely understand. But the uh, restaurant business is in a bit of a tough time right now. Uh, we had uh, the National Takeout Tuesday, which was uh, a day that we were not operating. It didn't really help out. I don't know if it helped out anyway, but the numbers are down drastically. The numbers are down probably around 30 to 40%. And that was before our um, commandant, here in Washington, FEMA Region Two, right, um, has ordered the uh, stay-at-home. Although it's you know it's a toothless order, uh, it's unenforceable, and it it lists so many different businesses that are exempt as to be essentially pointless. But you know it's it's a chance for them to virtue signal and to act like they're doing something and to keep people afraid and hopefully in their homes or something is what they probably want. But um, since that order was done on Monday, took in effect Wednesday, this will be our first day tomorrow. So what our numbers are tomorrow will determine whether we go forward or not. Hopefully we won't have to shut down, but at any rate, our numbers are way down. I mean, my revenue has dropped 75%. Now, is this a situation where you could take a hiatus? Like there's not enough customer traffic and, and there's potentials for additional shutdowns. And so maybe you just pause for however long until things kind of recover because there's a lot of people who are talking about like this is a coiled spring where there's all this pent-up demand it's being um, squashed right now you're not allowed to exercise as a consumer your desires for demands of products but as soon as things free up all that demand will still be there and so things will spring back to life pretty quickly now i think that's not necessarily correct because that sort of assumes the Keynesian, you know, demand is the problem situation. Uh, I don't think that is the issue. I think it's a bunch of fucking funny money that is uh, in the process of bursting. This this COVID thing is the pin pricking the bubble. And that's my take on it. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? My ramblings here. Before we get into last night's first show, introduce our guest and talk about Jackie Chan's police story, which is why ostensibly we are all here. So Daniel, this you're you're making this that's a pretty bold claim that this is going to be the p- 
pin, which pops the entire global bubble, financial bubble. Is that what you're saying, Daniel? I'm saying it has potential for that because that's one of those things that has uh, kind of been building and building. And every time it sort of starts to deflate, they just reinflate. And eventually you do get to the point where it's not going to work anymore. And this is a significant enough event. I think already it's bigger than like, say, a 9-11 and uh, the 2008 stuff as far as the effect it's going to have. Like the economy is virtually shut down or at least significantly impacted. And for who knows how long those other events you know, 9-11, the, the economy was shut down for like a week, maybe. But um, 2008, you know, things were cratering, but still functional. The, the capital stock still existed. The, the equipment, plant equipment, those were still there. They're still present. And then, yeah, they're present now, but we're losing all this productivity for an unknown period of time. And so I think that's going to have a, a pretty significant impact. And there's, there's a whole series of dominoes falling as a result with, um, uh, you know, as you know, you have bills due and no revenue coming in. People have rents due, no revenue coming in. People have mortgages due, no revenue coming in. Those types of situations. And, and I, I just don't see how printing a bunch of uh, $1,200 checks is really going to fix that problem. Uh, meanwhile, giving um, you know billions and billions of dollars to uh, all these uh, pork belly type things, uh, NASA and big corporations and banks and whatnot. Uh, I don't mean to derail and side rail uh, all this. We should get into this movie. But um, yeah, bold claims, bold claims. Bold claims. Well, I thought it mainly had to do with People finally not wanting to buy government debt, right? And then not buying the bonds. And then they lose faith in the government's ability to pay those bonds back. Then things really turn, take a turn for the worst. I like what you were saying, but I don't know if all that screams uh, bubble popping from what you said. Like well, total I we'll, collapse. I, I, you know, I'm just going to weather the storm either way. I mean, I hope it recovers. You never leave your house. Exactly. So it's no different to me. But, uh, you know, the thing that is different to me is How that- How do you even know if anything happened? Exactly. Everything is the same. Everything's the same to me. I, I never leave anyway. But uh, anyway, we should get into our guest and the last narrative portion of the show. So we will do that uh, right about now. The Functional Brothers. Hey everyone, it's Daniel Elwood and Robert Johnson, The Last Nighters. You can find The Last Nighters on the Launchpad Media, where they're always launching new ideas in your direction. This is going to be episode 117 of the show, lastnighters.com slash 117. And we're going to be talking about Jackie Chan's police story with our special guest. Uh, this movie, we get kind of a view of Hong Kong in the 80s, back when the police had quaint levels of authority, uh, which is sharply contrasted with today's jackbooted tactics of late that have stifled protest and dissent. And we have invited Shane Scalf of Hapa Supremacy, also. Uh, well, that's their Facebook page and their podcast and uh, everything else is called What's Happening uh, to discuss this movie, this action classic. And this was a favorite. This is why this was selected. Welcome to the show, Shane. Uh, we enjoy having you on already. We've had a bunch of pre-show content available for our Patreon supporters. You can hit us up at lastnighters.com slash Patreon to get a piece of that. It was a half hour discussion of um, what's going on in FEMA Region 6 with you and uh, FEMA Region 3, I think is where we are. So welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really, uh, really excited to to hear and see what you have to say about Police Story because, like you said, it's a favorite. So, yeah, and and then you say before all this stuff that we talked about before the show started, the actual show, man, if people could hear that, they'd probably kick us off the internet in total. So I don't know. Just want to let you know. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're probably already banned. This is probably already a few copyright strikes and uh, yeah. uh, whatever else they send our way as far as like takedown notices, but. Uh, <laughs> Your show, What's Happening, uh, if you wouldn't mind de describing it to our audience and uh, 
telling them where they can go and, and find it and give it a listen. I was an ep- I was a, a, a guest when it was called Hoppa Supremacy a couple of years ago with Pat McFarland of Liberty Weekly, and I'll put that on our show notes page, of course. Um, but where can people find what you do? And um, then we'll get into the movie. Uh, yeah, so what's happening is a podcast I do with my wife, Nico. Um, we basically just talk about you know what's going on in the world today. Uh, sometimes we'll have a guest, but most of the time it's just us two. And um, sometimes we'll go with uh, serious topics, and then towards the end we kind of go more towards a uh, more lighthearted type of sh- of, uh, of material, such as a uh, weird news. And we always, not always, but most of the time we try to end with a Florida man story. So that's always enjoyable. Um, but you can find the What's Happening podcast on uh, pretty much. Uh, any podcatcher, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, and then also the um, Simplecast is where the What's Happening podcast is. That's the main uh, page for it. And then, um, yeah, as you said, you, you were you were a guest of ours back when it was the Hoppy Supremacy Days on our YouTube channel. Uh, it's again, it's now just called uh, What's Happening, but back in the day it was Hoppy Supremacy. Um, but we've also had guests like Scott Horton, uh, Dave Smith, Eric July. Uh, we've had uh, Lauren Chen. I know it's not ANCAP, but you know we had Lauren Chen. We've had Tim Poole on uh, once before. And um, those are the uh, – oh, and uh, uh, Pete Quinones, or back in the day, it was Mance Raider, so we've had, had him on too. Uh, but we had a whole bunch of guests there, so if you guys want to – because it's crazy because we did get some comments sometimes about – you know they'd be like, how did you get Dave Smith on when the main – people's quality of their video is like a potato. So that was a good joke. I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we'd love to get him on, but uh, you know, we're just hoping to get good enough to like have people actually want to be on. I I, I appreciate that you're on. Uh, Apparently we've, we've attained that level of quality. And uh, one of our listeners right now has says, had said that they now see another podcast to check out. So you've got at least one more listener already. Oh, sweet. Oh, Doc Brown. Oh man. That's a classic right there. We have to go back to the future. Yeah, my kids love, um, they watch uh, the British Baking Show. And one of the opening scenes was them making uh, a, a version of um, Back to the Future. And it was like the first season or the first episode of season eight, I want to say. And so whenever you would finish like season nine, it would go back to eight. And so they would see that little scene a dozen times or more. And uh, they love it. So they they actually play that. They get in the in our car and go, let's do go back to the future. Mm-hmm. the kids so kids mm-hmm. are fun yeah that's pretty cool so, uh how we start off the show and, and thank you again for for being on and uh, we'll have links to your show and everything um we start with a good description and i will read that off and then we will get robert's reaction i see him furiously pounding some food in the background there so i'm going to try to buy him some time a little bit of time or you know what, better yet i'll go to shane uh you first for the reaction so that we'll let robert uh, have his You're mentioning uh, it's a cooking show i'm eating some food i'm gonna talk about it yeah that's fair enough fair enough uh you know this is like i said shane this is a high quality show yeah. we are See very that. polished <laughs> everything this is all scripted by the way this is not ad-libbed at all wow all right so police story uh pg-13 came out in 1985 it's an action slash comedy film one hour and 45 minutes or 46 minutes 7.6 imdb 92 percent Rotten tomatoes 78 percent metacritic 90 percent of google users like it the description reads, an honest Hong Kong cop protecting a triad boss's girlfriend turned informer finds himself framed for the murder of a dirty cop and going on the run. The movie mixes slapstick and wild stunts and features some painful outtakes during the final credits. The initial release was December 14, 1985 uh, in Hong Kong. The director is the man himself, Jackie Chan. He also sang the um, theme song. Uh, so he's he's multi-talented guy here, Jackie Chan. Uh, box office of 22.22 million us dollars 
uh, it was in Chinese and Cantonese and in a terrible um, English dub that I had to actually change from English to Cantonese and then turn on the um, the words so I could see what was going on because the English translation and then what the words that were on screen were not matching up. So I was like, mm-hmm. whoa, this is too much, man. What's going on? So uh, the initial review that I see here is it's a fantastic action uh, featuring Chan in his pomp uh, are slightly let down by comic overkill. So they think he maybe played it up a little bit too, too slapsticky. And uh, we have a comment that says honest cop, LOL. Uh, yeah. I don't disagree with that, but uh, Shane, your reaction to the uh, Google description and also um, why you selected this for this uh, particular discussion. Um, well, for my reaction to that, the description, I think that's a pretty good description. Um, yeah. And then, (laughs) yeah, the honest cop is pretty funny. Um, but I chose it mainly because it's funny. I didn't even think about the whole police state thing, but then, you know, when you're kind of tying everything together, I'm like, man, this guy knows what he's talking about. Wow. It's crazy. Like, I I didn't even think about that. I, I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't even, especially with nowadays, like you say, with the whole, you know, virus thing that's happening right now. Um, but for me personally, I, I've always been a Jackie Chan fan, especially his movies. And Police Story was, I, I had seen other movies of his before. Um, you know, like Rumble in the Bronx was the first one that kind of made me go, holy crap, this is this guy is someone I need to keep my eye on in terms of, you know, seeing more of his movies. And then when I saw Police Story, I was like, okay, that's it. This guy is my favorite action star. And I always compare any action movie that I see to Police Story. And I don't know if that's, if that's, fair to other people but for me that's just how i go because um you know like like you're saying before there's someone that said that they're they're playing too much on the on the um on the slapstick or jackie chan did since he's a director and i can i can i can kind of see that because there's that uh, i don't know if you're if you um if you'll mention this or not later on or or after i, I i'm done talking um but there's that part where you know he brings the the witness lady to his apartment and his girlfriend and some other people are throwing him a surprise party and you know, they're, they, they, she sees him with this lady and she's like, well, what's going on? You know, I have a birthday cake. So what she does, she just throws the cake onto his face. And that happens uh, quite a lot in the film, if I can recall. And there's even one part where he has a phone and, you know, he kind of blocks the cake at one point and it makes a little indent with the, where the phone was at, the, the receiver. So, you know, I, I, I'm not a hundred percent in terms of my Chinese comedy history and how it goes, but from, from what I can tell, it, it's very slapstick and it's very physical comedy. So for them, you know, for the Chinese audience, that's probably really funny and like highbrow, very good type of stuff. You know, maybe for an American audience, it probably it's not, it's not um, like, especially nowadays, you know, you see a lot of these comedies are um, quote unquote smart and I don't know, but that's kind of just my initial reaction to all that and why I chose the film. All right. Very good. And yeah, just a, a little bit of my reaction to that. Um, I think Rebel in the Bronx was like his first uh, kind of breakthrough in the U.S. But I think for a lot of people, it was really with um, Chris Tucker in uh, uh, what was that called? Rush Hour. Rush Hour. Rush Hour. One, and two, then Shanghai and Noon. Yeah, Shanghai Noon. With Owen Wilson. Yep. And I was reading a little bit about the history of Jackie Chan and this particular movie. And a lot of people were viewing Jackie Chan as the next Bruce Lee because Bruce Lee, of course, tragically died um, young and he was very... Uh, you know, he was very um, like he was portrayed as very uh, intense, you know, and very rigid. Jeet uh, Kune Do, uh, I'm probably saying that wrong, but uh, very particular and very um, skillful in his fighting. And so Jackie purposely went the other way. He was like very much more fluid or more kind of off balance, like Drunken Master was kind of like 
one of the models that he sort of went after. And then the slapstick he put in to kind of contrast right. with, with Bruce Lee. And I think that was a conscious effort to like be different than Bruce Lee rather than emulate him. Um, but uh, I, I did think that this was um, kind of fun to watch because you know he's doing all these stunts. Like, right. you know, that's Jackie doing this. He's kind of famous for doing that. And of course, you see the outtakes at the end where he like breaks his f- clavicle and ruptures his kidney and all this stuff. Like he's had so many injuries, man. I was reading about it. And uh, yeah, he he said recently, he's 65 now, that, that he can't do this stuff anymore. He needs to take care of his body. But um, I, I think that a lot of the stunts now, because they were practical, you were sort of limited by what you could actually do in physical space. And now films are so much different, so much more CGI, so much more wire work and and uh, all that stuff that, that this doesn't stand out anymore when you watch it in retrospect so it kind of like loses a little bit of its luster but i can imagine back in the 80s this was like holy shit you know this is awesome what is he doing you know but uh, uh robert let's go to you for your uh reaction to all the nonsense i said the great stuff shane said and the google description which is either nonsense or great i can't tell yeah so um you're right this movie's stunts do they look a bit quaint. They look a bit dated. They they look like the best they could do in 1984 with the budget that they had. But not to say that they don't look terrible. I'm, but there's definitely. I mean, was the was the slide pole in the mall scene so amazing that they had to show it three times? Was it so like blowing your mind that you just had to see it again and again and again? Yes. I, 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 okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. He, actually broke, he, he broke his hip on that one or something like that. That was a, a significant uh, stunt. It was like three floors. He went down. Oh, yeah. I know. He really did it. I just it was a weird director's choice to to show it three times. Anyway, um, I was a big Jackie Chan fan, just like Shane and Rumble the Bronx was I remember hearing some buzz about Rumble in the Bronx because I was I was a martial arts fan back in the 80s for sure. I mean, Jean-Claude Van Damme. I watched all the action movies with Schwarzenegger and Stallone and, you know, Everybody just big Bruce Lee fan. Um, so I, yeah, when I watched Rumble in the Bronx, I was like, this guy's incredible. And then he's got the charm, you know, he's so so self, self, self efficacious. Am I even saying that word right? Self deprecating. Thank you. That's fine. Making fun of himself a little bit. You know, he's like funny and demure or whatever. Yeah. And I think he does it better later on. I think this, this is him at like peak silliness. Like, I mean, there's a one scene where he's, moonwalking moonwalking some cow shit off his shoe (laughs) it's like ridiculous yeah yeah super ridiculous well and and shane brought up the cakes like how many cakes do they have three or four cakes you know for his for one guy's birthday something yeah so you know but but then there's the whole plot and the plot's actually damn good like a lot of movies back in the 80s it was just like how do we get an excuse for all the action scenes and a lot of the martial arts films back in the day were kind of like that and I, w- I will say that this movie falls down at the end because it makes no sense for them to be fighting in this mall when, <laughs> anyway, we can maybe get into the weeds in that maybe, but the film itself like starts simple enough and it's from one bit to the next, you got this whole scene in the favela where Jackie's got a task with the, you know, get the evil capitalist drug dealer guy and he's captures him. And then you got this, surprisingly well-written court scene with this lawyer who's making these surprisingly really good arguments to get the guy off. Like if I was in the, the jury box listening to this guy's arguments, I'm like, yeah, he's making some strong points there. I maybe, maybe he was just afraid for his life and that's why he gave Jackie the money. I don't know. Yeah. There's 80 buses that go by. How do you know that's the one? How do you know? 
how do you know? So yeah, those were surprisingly well-written for what I expected. I expected just some kind of a slapstick kung fu movie, and it turned out to be a pretty decent plot-driven story. So I was kudos. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that um, a lot of kung fu karate movies are just enough plot to get it to the next action scene. That sort of sounds like how porn is made. Like there's just enough (laughs) to get you to the next sex scene. (laughs) Well, that's what you're there for. I mean, when you're building, when you're writing a movie to appeal to teenage boys and all you're really trying to do is showcase the cool martial arts moves that you've come up with for the next movie. Yeah, the the plot's really kind of irrelevant. I mean, I'm still a fan of movies like Bloodsport and uh, Kickboxer for Jean-Claude Van Damme. His later stuff, not so much. But, you know, I'll still watch like a like a, a movie that I'm um, still a fan of to this day is um, Jet Li's, um, God, what's the name of it? I totally lost it. It's wearing Fist of Man. Legend. Fist of Legend. It's an excellent, just, it's just almost a straight up just a, about martial arts. It's just all about martial arts. He's like a Kung Fu master and he's fighting other Kung Fu masters and stuff like that. Anyway, it's, it's actually, it's pretty damn good. If you just want to see a whole bunch of cool Kung Fu. I heard so uh, I'm, Unchained I'm easy is, to please. Is, is the one oh, Unleashed? Is that the one where he's like treated like a dog? And uh, I think the original title of the film was Danny the Dog, actually. Really? Okay. Yeah, then they changed it or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I heard it was good. Um, I want to go back to that their very first scene, that the the blockbuster opening action scene where <laughs> they're trying to bust these guys for drugs. Well, first of all, that shouldn't even be a crime. Meanwhile, they're shooting randomly around all these innocent people, destroying the village, you know, potentially killing people, driving down the hill through the village, you know, three or four cars driving like right through the town, destroying this entire shanty town. Uh, over over some drugs, you know, pretty pretty ridiculous, you know. But it was also like the, you know, a lot of times in in an action movie they'll try to open big, a big fancy stunt to kind of draw you in, and then they'll finish with a big uh, a big finish like they did in this one in the mall uh, with the you know the three story jump. Right. But um, yeah, uh, do you, you want to address that, like how the cops handled that, and and how many innocent people probably died if that had actually actually happened. I'll go to Shane for that. We'll... Yes, Shane, defend your cop movie. Yeah, Shane, that you, that you say that because yeah, there's a lot of like just people just oh, I can't look at what's going on, and then you know Jackie's trying to be the the um he's trying to be the you know the calm one because you know there's that one guy who's all like I don't know what uh, you know and then he pees himself you know that lovely comedic part of the film where you know someone pees himself who's a, you know I guess he's never been a cop before or something like that I don't know but um yeah it's funny that you mentioned that because. I don't know. I, I guess he's trying to say, well, I have the magic bullet, so I don't have to worry about hitting anyone, right? Like, because, you know, he's a star of the film. I guess he kind of had that mindset. Well, you know, no one's just leaving or whatever. But, um, you know, in terms of that, I don't even I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I don't even know what to say because it seems like any type of cop movie, it's always like that, isn't it? It just to start randomly shooting or something. Is, is Or am I wrong there? No, you're not wrong, Shane. Yeah. In every movie, like a Lethal Weapon or any kind of a cop movie, there's always big collateral damage scenes where the cops are chasing some bad guy and all kinds of shit's blowing up. So it's not unique, but it does highlight, you know, the proportionality. Like the guy's a drug dealer. Is there a better way you could have gotten him? Do you need to, if he starts running through a favela, do you need to drive through it and just smash up a whole bunch of innocent people's homes? But it looked cool on film. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, you know, with the budget they had, you know, with it being in the 80s, you know, what are you, you going to do? Oh, yeah. What are they going to do? I mean, yeah. I mean, Fast and the Furious, like what, five or something, did a cool favela driving through scene, but that well, was, you know, uh, 30 years later. It was Bad Boys 2. They had a similar scene, like almost taken from Police Story. Where they mm. go through a thing like that, and there's, 
I know we're kind of going off a tangent or whatever, but it just reminded me of there's a, you know, the uh, kind of still, it's still in the same uh, beginning of the film, you know, they go to Shantytown and Jack is still trying to get to the, you know, he gets that bus where he has the umbrella, you know, he hangs on to it and all that stuff. Well, there's a scene in uh, Tango and Cash starring uh, Sylvester Stallone, who apparently, I think Stallone and Chan are really good friends. I don't know if they were then, I'm not 100% uh, in terms of what their friendship or what they what their relationship was back in the day. Uh, but there's a scene in Tango and Cash where I get, there's like a couple of dudes in a semi and, uh, you know, Sylvester Stallone's in a car and he's, he goes, drives way up ahead and then he stops right in the middle of the road. And then he, he takes his little gun that looks kind of like the one that Chan has, you know, when in that, in that scene, when he shoots up in the air and those guys, you know, crash through the window and they land on the concrete, you see every, you see it. Right. And then in Tango and Cash, it's kind of the same thing where, you know, he has a little gun, he takes the bullets out again, almost almost looks exactly like from he's taken from the police story film takes the bullets out all of them and he spins the thing because he puts the bullets in you know it looks real cool because i'm still alone and he stops and he puts it in and then he goes all right now i'm gonna shoot at him and then shoot some right he shoots him and the guy goes oh my god this guy's crazy what the fuck's happening and then he shoots him again and then ah and then i guess they get so scared because they're like oh my god i might actually hit this guy and kill him so they stay break and then they get to a point where I think I think Sloan shoots them again when they break at the same time, and then they finally stop real quick. And then those two guys come out of the the uh, windshield of the truck, and instead, of, but instead of it being like a wide shot in police story, it's a it's like a close up of you see the two dudes and someone like, and then it cuts right when they hit the hit the concrete, and then you know Stallone has his oh thanks for stopping thanks for stopping by, <laughs> uh, thanks for dropping by guys. You like jewelry? And he gives them the handcuffs, and then the guys fuck you, and Stallone says I prefer blondes. Uh, so along with his one-liner is hilarious you gotta have the one-liners jackie didn't seem to have a whole lot of one-liners in this no it was just i got this my my uh my my stunt i show three times that's my one-liner both you know like you said oh, why do you gotta show it three times you know it's funny that you meant i i figured you were gonna you're gonna say that because i had a feeling because you know i remember watching that movie with my, with my grandpa and he's like why are they showing it three times i don't understand i'm like it's cool okay calm down but it's not cool i mean maybe it was in 1985 Right, and, right, you know, Jackie can do what he wants. He broke his hip on it, whatever. He also, but, uh, burns, you know, his hands or you know, skin or whatever. I don't know. Oh, I believe it. Probably ripped some skin off for sure on that. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I think Shane just called you old, old man. Yeah, yeah. No, no, he's he's right. He's yeah, that's some right. grandpa style questions right there. <laughs> Why do you got to show three times? <laughs> Not in my porch. <laughs> I don't understand things. <laughs> All right, so let's talk. You mentioned the courtroom scene, Robert. I want to I want to bring you to the police station where they're leaning on the um, the girlfriend or whatever the the damsel in distress to turn her as state's witness against her employer, and they use some uh, mindfuckery, like some psychology shit on way way smarter than a talk. movie like this deserves. Right? Yeah, they're, they're like, hey, we need to talk to your client alone. You need to leave. And somehow he agrees to leave. The lawyer agrees to leave. I, I can't believe that he did that. But then they just fucking stand there. They just sit there for only you know, a few minutes, and then then uh, they and know she's free that, to go. Yeah, and then they know that that's gonna rattle the right, lawyer because when he asks her, you know, what do they ask you? And then she says nothing. Then he'll think that she's hiding something, but she actually isn't. Super good mind fuckery. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's clever. There's some clever shit in this amidst the slapstick of the seven cakes and the 17 phones that ring and he has to like spin around and answer this phone and try to answer yeah, that. Yeah, what phone. was that scene even about? Was it you just to highlight really? the fact that Jackie Chan can juggle phones? Well, and, Did anything and actually how, happen in that scene? I can't, I don't even remember. It was just a bunch of silly phone stuff. And how poorly ran that uh, police station was. And like, there's this woman in a domestic violence situation and, and he's like mixing up all these calls and like, 
That's the level of service you get, man. It's fucked up. Jackie Chan make a terrible secretary. It's true. But, but why don't they have phones where you could like hit the buttons? You know, back in the day, you have a little phone. You can hold line two. Hold line three. This 80s, man. This is 80s. Maybe he was showcasing that. See, I'm not a superhero. I can't do everything. I can't answer all these phones. I mean, come on. What do you want from me? Yeah, he's just trying to eat. Yeah. <laughs> Much like you earlier on this uh, very, very show, Robert. I was enjoying a nice rice and lentil dish, Daniel. Thank you. With my vintage raspberry wine. Thank you much. Now, was was this uh, from your restaurant? Is this extra food that you can't sell to customers due to state interventions? No, no. We do Thai food. This was not Thai food at all. This was an Indian um, thing that uh, my uncle made. All right. Well, that has nothing to do with this movie, but <laughs> absolutely fuck all to do. I don't know why you're bringing it up. But that's all right. You know, I just want the audience to know we're real people. We're just trying to really we put our pants on our heads too. Okay. Boots and pants, whatever. So anyway, yeah, th this was interesting. And, and then they, they lean on her to flip her against her will against her employer. And she doesn't want to, but they position it in such a way to where her, her boss is threatened by her now. And there actually is a hit put out on her, which Jackie in this film fucking lies about. He's trying to justify his existence to her by having his cop buddy break in and threaten to murder her, you know, in that like weird scene. And, and when you don't know that's the cop buddy, you're watching it and you're like, this is corny, man. He's like it's choreographically like not stabbing her when he easily could. Mm -hmm. And and so it kind of took me out of it because I didn't know that was what was going on. I just thought, oh, right. this is fucking corny, man. But then you, you know, realize what it is and then it sort of makes sense. But it's like you almost needed to establish that maybe a little bit differently to make it more effective. Granted, you do want to feel like she's actually in danger. So I don't know how better to do it, but maybe make it look more like she was actually in danger to present that she's actually in danger, you know, like make it more real, really real threatening looking, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. There's kind of a goofy scene. There's a lot of goofy scenes in this movie. This movie goes back and forth between serious and goofy. It juggles all kinds of different like themes and vibes and just feels. And uh, I don't know if it's always doing it. I think there's some loss in translation stuff too. Clearly. Right. I think this 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 probably hit like you know Hong Kong audiences really really hard back in 1985. Less so much uh, me in 2020. So it's hard to yeah. fault it for that. It was it was weird because when they were talking to her at the police station, it was almost as if she had uh, similar you know American court courtroom style rights, like when talking to the police, like not to incriminate herself, and you know you need to charge me or arrest me or something like this. And they sort of mentioned it as if they're going to respect that. But then they just say, well, we're going to compel you to do this or else. And we're going to make you have Jackie be your personal bodyguard or else, you know? So it was like this mm -hmm. weird mix. And mm -hmm. I don't know if it was like just because of how they wrote it and they just had to have, you know, a reason for Jackie to kind of be hipped to her. But it it it, it kind of just was awkward, you know? And it was like a, I think the movie showed just how inept the police can be and how much of a bully mm -hmm. they can be. They have you over a barrel, you know? Like you're definitely at a disadvantage in any interaction with them. Like in her, in her, um, like in her eyes, and kind of like you were saying, they're basically saying, "You're, you're this guy's going to be your bodyguard, or else, you know, like you know, or else, you know, a little wink, wink, right?" So yeah, that's a that's an interesting point that you that you uh, that you made. Um, but to me, like with the whole kind of with them, I guess Jackie being the the bodyguard or something like that. Like in the beginning of the movie, he's kind of just a guy. He kind of, you know, he's not like some superior. He's not just, hey, you're, you're, hey, Jackie, you're going to be the person who's going to get this guy. He's kind of, you know, when they have the whole briefing, if this is who we're going to try and get, or this is the crime lord we're trying to get or whatever. He's just one of the guys that's in the classroom or wherever it is that they're in. And he's kind of, you know, 
one of those guys. And, uh, and the guy that you're also mentioning too, where um, they're, you know, the, the fake attack on the girl or whatever. I think her name is Selena, the character. And um, I, yeah, I think he's, I think maybe, like you were saying, I think they should maybe established him a little bit more. Like you said, cause it kind of like takes you out of that scene a little bit, but kind of going back to uh, Jackie being the bodyguard or whatever. He just he's just a guy. So he kind of like I guess in in the police's eyes or something like that. He kind of steps up his game, I guess, to say like, see, I I can I can do this, or I I, I can be uh you know I can be the the cop that you that everyone needs me to be or something. I don't know, but I but I guess that's also kind of not true too because then his his superior is like, why did you why did you do like all vigilante on on us? Like you should, like you should you know we had this whole planned out. You could you didn't have to do all that, even though you caught him. So thank you for that. But at the same time, you didn't have to you know do all that because they had that scene too where he's talking to the press or whatever, and he's all like, oh, that's what they told me to do, you know that thing. So in, in terms of in terms of the way I look at it, in terms of him kind of like being propelled, obviously Jack is going to be the main character. I mean, it's obvious, right? But in terms of just the story, he's just a guy. He just becomes that that guy that they choose to be this. Uh, the witness's bodyguard because oh he he he's he's shown that he can take these type of um, cases or something like that I don't know so they kind of just choose him to be that guy or something I don't know if that makes any sense anything I just said kind of you know no no it does make sense and, and it makes me think like maybe they should have established that Jackie's like a rookie cop or new to this particular force and he's like an unknown quantity to them and he he establishes his abilities during this bust right. Because, yeah, you're right. It is kind of back and forth. Like, he does something amazing, but then they're kind of mad at him about it. But then he tries to, like, defer to, oh, it's a team effort. It's due to the planning of the commissioner and all this junk. Um, and then they sort of, like, saddle him with this uh, with this assignment of being her bodyguard. But then later on, they're treating him in the media's eyes as super cop. You know, they're getting these promo uh, photos taken and and billboard and recruitment posters and all this stuff. And so it's, it's a little bit like... Um, Maybe it is lost in translation a little and because it's as if they're sort of like playing both sides of it without picking a side. Yeah, there's definitely some some of that for sure. And uh, when you were talking about him, uh, like the promotional and stuff like that, the theme song, if if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure. But the theme song was actually used in like police to recruit people. That song was used for a while. And also uh, I guess his picture with, the, you know, and them taking that picture. I think that was used for promotional photos too for the police or something. I mean, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> I don't know if that's, if this is all like a, oh, this whole thing was just, Hey Jackie, can you make a movie where we, we need some cops? We're losing mm. this movie. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I just yeah, well, right funded this film. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like how Top Gun was, you know, to get more Navy pilots. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think, I don't think there was a movie like this at the time. And well, in Hong Kong, especially in, the, in their film industry, I don't think there was like a real, there wasn't like a, a, a police Kung Fu type of film. It was all period pieces. I mean, the movie he did before this was like, you know, he did project a, he had wheels on meals that he did uh, too. I think that was before I might screw in my timeline where, but I know project a was before this. So, you know, it was still more the period type of stuff, you know? And um, so, yeah, I don't know, but it's, it would have been, it would be kind of interesting if this was actually funded by the, the police back in the day. That'd be kind of funny as a, as a Western viewer for the, seeing this for the first time, I'm, I've seen a lot of Asian cinema, but I've never seen this movie before. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen, I think movies set in Hong Kong in this period. And it, it struck me as weird and just kind of off putting seeing all the evidence of the British colonialism in Hong Kong, where you don't see it in say Shanghai or Beijing, or Tokyo, or anything like that, and those other cinemas. So it's just weird to see, you know, these Hong Kong guys in these British wigs doing the, the stuff, and then it's all 
there's a lot of um, English words like when they're like saying yes sir and you know there's these little bits of English that they would throw in here and there and mix it in with their what is it like Mandarin uh, I don't know what what are they speaking Cantonese Cantonese but did you know did that did that strike you as a little bit odd Daniel I mean it was it was weird for me yeah but, yeah it was um, but knowing that you know a little bit of the history um, that it was a British possession until I think ninety seven and then it went back to to China. Um, that yeah, you you see those types of things kind of stick around. Like there's still some of that in India and, and wherever the British Empire was. You know, Sun never sat on it. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it it was weird to to also see like how much Hong Kong has changed in the intervening thirty years or so. Because now you see Hong Kong is like totally um, modern, industrialized, and I imagine it was like compared to the rest of Asia at the time or the rest of that area, like China. That this was very uh, much the 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 major city in the area because it was westernized and um, more free than the uh, alternative alternatives at the time. Um, and there was a video game that I played a couple of years ago called Sleeping Dogs, and it's based in Hong Kong. And so um, it felt like I could like almost recognize some of the little areas from that video game from you know ten years ago. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting too. With um... Like with Rush Hour being the kind of the movie, like you know we were mentioning before, that was like the big film for Jackie, and you know when you teamed with Chris Tucker. But that was a plot point was during that time because it was in '97, I think it was set when, like you said, Hong Kong was going to go back to being, uh, you know, to China. And that was a plot point in Rush Hour, so that's kind of interesting. Or I think the main villain or something was part of that. Oh yeah, well, well, you know, congratulations, China, on getting Hong Kong back or something like that. Mm. Yeah, and um, you know, interesting plot point in this one is I think the gang that they're the drug gang in this is the triads. Of course, mm-hmm. that's the you know famous gang in Hong Kong. Jackie himself uh, was involved with the triads. Like he left uh, his prior um, uh, production company that he had a contract with due to triad interference of getting him out of that contract. And that's how he got into um, whatever this production company was, Golden Harvest, Harvest or whatever. Golden. Um, yeah, Golden Harvest. So he was, he was with another group before this, but then the triad got him out of that. Hmm. So he had he had some kind of fishy connections way back in the day, apparently. Yeah, that's not new. The mafia interfering with entertainment they they like they like money. <laughs> I like money. <laughs> money, 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 money. <laughs> so Shane, now that we've beat this up a little bit, um, defend it, defend it a little bit. Like, uh, what what pushback do you have uh, from what we've said so far? Do, have we shaken your confidence at all? Or have we hardened you in your steadfastness of loving Jackie Chan and this particular movie? Well, I mean, this, you, I guess for, um, you know, for Robert, who's never, you know, he's never seen the movie before. So for a first time viewer, it's, it's always interesting to, you know, especially with a movie like this, kind of hear what, what someone like him has to say in terms of a first time viewer. So I, I can definitely understand in terms of uh, the, the you know the too much of the goofiness and then kind of going back and forth with the serious tone versus the goofy tone but i do think i do think you know and i know you've mentioned this before too where there's some just loss of translation or whatever where i'm sure back in the day when this came out it was it was a big hit because it won i'm sure for you guys it'll probably be a surprise or maybe not i don't know but um they have this hong kong film awards that they that they do it's kind of like the Oscars, but it's, it's the Hong Kong version, I guess. And Police Story won Best Film, so take that however you want. Um, but it also won, you know, Best Action Choreography because unlike here in Hollywood, there's no stunt category for in an Oscar. But there, their whole livelihood or most of the livelihood is stunts, so it won Best Action Choreography. So just like for me, I've always looked at it as just a pure action film. I guess I never really, kind of, I, I guess I kind of glossed over the goofiness because 
some of it hits and some of it doesn't. And I guess it kind of depends on my mood because I always enjoy whenever he gets hit in the face with that cake and that phone, you know, that shape of the phone on his face. It always makes me crack up. I mean, I'm sorry. I just, I just look at it. And I go, that's, I don't know how much they thought, Oh man, it's gonna be great. This is going to be great. It's going to be a 10 out of 10 comment. Here we go. You know? Um, and it's, it's, it, it does have that. It has that, uh, like, you know, three stooges type of, of uh, thing, you know, going on. And if, and again, if you're, you know, if you like that type of comedy, you're going to love this movie. And if not, you're just going to be like, I don't, what is going on? <laughs> I don't like it at all. You know? So, yeah. And, and there's a lot of scenes where um, Jackie's like totally making shit up. Like his character is, you know, <laughs> like he, he says, he says he's answering the phone and talking to his girlfriend, but she's actually standing behind him. And he's <laughs> playing this conversation as if to impress uh, Selena, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, he did that a, another time or two or something in this. And it's like, you know, he, he's, he's like intentionally going out of his way to make him look better than he actually is in the eyes of whoever is watching him, you know, and it's sort of like, um, when he was trying to justify his existence uh, for being her bodyguard. So he had to have her life be threatened. And then he was trying to justify like how he treated his actual girl- girlfriend to try to impe- impress this new girl. Mm-hmm. And then when she, um, and this was a little confusing to me, like she discovered that he was lying to her. So then she made very suggestive comments to him and kind of got him to go along with it. Oh, I guess, yeah. yeah. Him, and then yeah. like shot him down and was like, well, I'm going to go, you know, sleep in your bed. You're going to sleep on the couch. And then she disappears and uh then the court and then that tape gets played in court right yeah and that tape gets played in court uh which i don't know how that would even be admissible like and how he how it was just that was that was weird um and of course when it's once it's played in court you can totally hear it one way mm-hmm. and this was intentional of course right. when you saw the scene it's like okay you kind of know what's going on that she's playing him up and whatever but when they played in court of course everyone's going to hear that as this was an actual thing that a sultry situation happened and it's kind of embarrassing or whatever and um, I guess that's, you know, that's comedy. Maybe a little bit did of that. The, did that hit for you, Daniel? Were you, were you chuckling to yourself? I saw what they were trying to do. It wasn't, it wasn't terrible. It was, I, it was, it was least I appreciate that there was a setup and then a payoff in a yeah. way that I didn't anticipate. Hmm. It didn't make me laugh, but I appreciated the cleverness of it. And there was a lot of scenes in this movie that I was like that. I was like, I appreciate you actually put quite a bit of thought into this script, which is kind of just why it disappointed me towards the end when they're like, okay, we're going to have this big action Kung Fu scene in this mall. How do we get to this mall? We got all these characters. We got a cop. We got Selena, this informant. We got these gangster guys. How do we get them all in this mall? Well, they just all show up at this mall for no reason. Okay. And then they start fighting. And then some character has a motorcycle. How did he get that motorcycle? We don't know. He's just driving it. It's fine. There's just a lot of silliness and it's okay because, you know, you solve things by punching. That's how you solve. You didn't problems. think the action scene at the end was cool, like all the fighting. I mean, I know, like going to that to the mall where I, I could maybe I'm wrong, but I thought some of someone's like office was there or something. But maybe I'm thinking of something else. But you didn't think the the ending so, action was was like amazing? Oh well, I've been spoiled by a million Plus. better amazing action films, many by Jackie Chan since then. So. Yeah, I mean, this is his early work. You know, you can see where the the brilliance was. You can see him with his raw talent and his energy. And you saw what was going to carry him on with the star power. I mean, he's definitely got a lot of charisma and charm that carries over from to an international audience, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, I can't think there aren't a whole lot of Asian stars that have breakout hits over here. I mean, Jet Li, Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan. Well, there's there's a there's quite a few, but those are the action. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. So, um, what was I saying? I don't know. <laughs> what the fuck was I talking about? 
Uh, you mentioned the motorcycle. I wanted to mention the scooter when his girlfriend was trying to drive away and he like pulled it out from under her and she like flew off and all this. <laughs> yeah, I think she actually fell like that. Look, that looked domestic painful. violence, man. Yeah, that's, that's why he goes. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. Oh no. Um, and I'll be honest. Um, I watched this uh, the other night. Um, I was so tired. <laughs> I was like drifting in and out of sleep during the climactic mall fight scene. I had no idea why we were at the mall. I had no idea how long I would sleep between waking up. Daniel, I was paying attention the whole time and I had no idea where we were at the mall. <laughs> See, you could have got some rest, man. I could have slept my way to that point and been equally as clueless. No, but but here's here's the thing. The reason why I, I feel this way is I think because of um, all this uh, COVID-19 shit. I think there's like there's this higher level of like anxiety or stress going on in the world right now. And so like... I can't stay up late anymore. I just get tired. Do you remember when you came to um, the cabin we were staying at after our first kid was born? And I had like yeah. two beers with you. And I was fucking hung over for days after that. I think it was because of all this like um, hormonal shit going on. You know, when you have a kid, I feel like a similar thing is going on now. And I don't know if it's just me or if it's like going to be a having a baby that's, that's affecting same. people like this, just this heightened level of stress, this heightened like uncertainty in what's going on in the world. And, and I'll, I'll tie this to the movie. Shane, do you think that um, there's any validity to the idea that this virus uh, contagion um, hysterics had anything to do with the protests that were brewing in Hong Kong for months and months and months? And and people were like hiding their face because there's all this like biometric shit going on. Um, people were it's like an extradition treaty that was being uh pushed on the residents of Hong Kong to be brought into China. And of course, who knows what happens when you get put in a camp in China? You know, I mean, you kind of get the idea of what goes on, um, that, that this was the perfect excuse to disperse that, to, to cut the legs out from a movement like that. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that because it feels like if that was what it is, it's gotten way out of hand. It's gotten well, well beyond that. We're no longer just looking at Hong Kong anymore. But have, have you heard that? And, and have you been familiar with what was going on in Hong Kong prior to this? Um, and, and what's your take on what they were protesting, uh, against and if they were effective in that. And I'll, uh, one little cherry on top, apparently Jackie was critical of the Hong Kong, Hong Kong protesters. Yeah. Kind of going to your last point with uh, Jackie being critical. It wasn't just Jackie. It was almost, almost the whole like film industry. There was like basically being on the, the CCP side. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of the thing there. Like if you're, you're happy for the CCP or else, I think there's been a couple of people who were, who were like saying some not friendly ccp things and then they you know said hey you know gotta put, the, put the kibosh on that but uh yeah so the politics of uh jackie chan is definitely you know one that you kind of just be like okay okay so you can, it's one of those things you have to just kind of turn your knob off you know the, the your brain off whenever you watch a jackie chan film i know where your politics are so i kind of know where you're going to go with this movie but you kind of have to just look at it with the you know eat your popcorn and drink your soda type of thing i don't know maybe i'm just giving them a pass i probably am but um but anyway with the hong kong protesters and all that I haven't really heard a connection in terms of the whole COVID-19 and the Hong Kong protesters, but it is an interesting, um, that is pretty interesting that you mentioned that because I mean, as far as I know, the, the protests were, I don't, I, I, I'm pretty sure they were doing, they were doing some, some, uh, good, you know, they were doing, uh, you know, like you said with the extradition, extradition bill or whatever, uh, I probably said the word wrong, but, uh, just, just the, uh, the, amount of people that were doing all that, you know, protesting and then the government saying, okay, you know, we got to do something about this or, or whatever. But I, I was also kind of seeing that the U S government was involved. And, you know, when I was reading into some of that and how the, 
like the CIA and I guess like even Ted Cruz or some other U.S. politicians were traveling there when that was all happening. And I was just like, that's you know, and I, I, I can't exactly remember the timeline of it. I, I think it was, I don't know, I don't remember exactly, but I don't know, maybe Ted Cruz needs to be tested because it's possible. Maybe, you know, maybe he's got the, the coronavirus or something. But um, yeah, so th- that that is an interesting uh, tidbit about that. But I don't know. It's it's uh it it's it's pretty interesting because Hong Kong's always been seen, you know, from from I guess from a U.S. standpoint as you know the 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 basin of of quote unquote democracy or just uh, you know a more free China, I suppose, because um, it's kind of like with Taiwan. You know, Taiwan's kind of seen as it's still. The, you know, China still considers Taiwan as part of it as, as part of its own order, but Taiwan doesn't. And so, I don't know. I'm I'm probably going way off topic on what you're trying to ask me, but um, I don't know. It, it the whole that whole thing was this kind of interesting because there's so many aspects to the protest that, like I was saying before, like some of the the U.S. politicians were being involved. So like there's possible like a CIA uh, weird operation happening there. Maybe the whole thing was was created from the u.s government i don't know maybe i'm being too conspiracy theory with that maybe it was a genuine you know the the hong kong people were very genuine like this is not good because you know one of our own is being captured for no reason so i i don't know you know i'm not 100 percent an expert on that so i'm probably the wrong person to ask but that's just how i felt about the whole thing okay yeah and i i just remember seeing the events kind of going on but not paying super close attention but i know that there was like facial recognition and so people were wearing masks and they were like banning masks and but they were still like continuing right. to protest and yeah. rubber bullets and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, well, how, how do you, how do you defeat this? You know, if, if you're a totalitarian government, what do you do? And yeah, the, their government there is just, it's ridiculous. I mean, I don't even know, like without what, you know, cause people complain about our media here in America, how, you know, the corporate press is just, uh, blah, you know, anti-Trump or you're, you're either you're MSNBC, CNN, you hate Trump or you're Fox news. Trump is the greatest person ever, whoever lived and he's God or something like that. But in China, it's just, no, you just listen to CCTV and that's it. If you listen to anything else, you know, we're going to come after you or something like that. It's going to affect your uh, Sesame credit score, citizen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we're probably at a point now where we can uh, dig up any of our final notes before we get into summary and review where we scored out of 10. Uh, Robert, do you have any notes that you have not yet discussed on this uh, particular episode with Shane from What's Happening? Everything that I have written down has been mentioned. Excellent job, everyone. Or bad job, me in taking note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my notes are pretty sparse. Uh, pretty sparse. Um, I think it was part of part of the tiredness. Um, Shane, is there any anything else that we haven't already touched on that you feel is important that we should talk about? Hmm. Maybe see. maybe where this went, um, franchise wise. I, I I heard that Police Story Two is actually even better. Uh, yeah. It's it's kind of like I mean I don't want to I don't want to jump jump the gun or whatever, but in terms of first to second. It's, you know, like the Godfather. Oh, it's either you like one or the other. Um, but yeah, the police story two is, uh, it's, is just as good, or I'm sure some people say it's better or, or not as good, but I think it's equal. I think they're both very good. The, the thing too, is because like with the first one, like you're saying, you know, they start with this really good elaborate, uh, shantytown, um, you know, chase or whatever. And the second film there's really nothing. It doesn't really start with anything crazy. Like the, the beginning, I don't know if you saw the second one, because I, I know you did buy the, the, first, the first one, the second one, with the, I think the Criterion Collection, I believe it was. Yeah, um, the, the fancy one that came out. It made me think like this is a, um, like a cult classic. Like this is a, a film that had a cultural impact and thus it was worthy of doing a Criterion release. So yeah, and, and so yeah, keep going, Police two, Story 2. And then what, what is the cultural impact? Like why, why would Criterion make a special edition of it? Well, I think, 
maybe a little bit of it is that Jackie considers Police Story One to be his his best action film, so that could be part of it. Um, but also, I think it's because you know with the grounded stunt work and especially like with the '80s, and it's it's very of its time. Uh, you know, because obviously nowadays, you know, we have the CGI and you know the the crazy Fast and the Furious type of stuff that we have nowadays. I mean, now you can just put pouring millions of dollars into you know we don't need to have Tom. Well, actually, no, that's a wrong. That's a bad example. Tom Cruise still you know does his own stunts because I'm a I'm Tom Cruise and do whatever I want apparently because I'm a Scientologist. But like someone like you know like a, I don't know I'm trying to think of an actor that doesn't do his own stunts. Uh, I don't know Harrison Ford. Like a Harrison Ford for example. Oh yeah, we can't have Harrison Ford do his own stunts. No, we can't do that because he's Harrison Ford. We got to have a stunt double. Um, that's another thing too. Uh, you know, Jackie does get doubled in this movie, um, in the motorcycle when he's riding the motorcycle, that's not Jackie. Uh, there's a part in the mall fight. It's, it's a very brief like cut, but it's so obvious his hair is shorter. Like it's so obviously his hair is shorter in a couple of parts. And if you rewatch the ending and there's some parts where he like, he's like, he falls on his back and his, his hair is obviously short. Um, I think there's one part where, Oh, now I lost my train of thought on that. But anyway, <laughs> but um, yeah, so in terms of the cultural impact, uh, it's it's just it's it's just considered to be like the quintessential Hong Kong action film, I guess. You know, and, and like you're saying, you know, he wanted to be different from Bruce Lee because they're trying to pin him as he's the next Bruce Lee because they had all those copycat Bruce Lee films, you know, Bruce Lee, Bruce Lai. They they try to put out as many uh, clone Bruce Lee movies as they possibly could to see what would stick and nothing would stick. And then um Jackie actually did star in a film back when he was still doing that. Uh, you're Bruce Lee. You're going to like it. You, you're not going to have a choice on this. It was called like new fist of fury, which is obviously, you know, Bruce Lee had a movie called fist of fury and just put, just put new in it. It'll be fine. Whatever. Um, but that didn't work out. And then he did the protector, which was supposed to be his breakout film in America because he did a movie called battle Creek bra or the big bra or something. That was his, I think that was his first America, like his first true leading role in a, in a, in a Hollywood movie that didn't do too well. Then he did the protector, which they try to make him be like a, a Clint Eastwood person, which is like, okay, you know, I don't know. But then police story was a result of that because he was so disappointed and he just was not, he didn't like how Hollywood uh, worked with him. So he's like, I'm going to make my own cop movie. And then because police story became what it was. And then uh, once that came out, then all these cop movies started coming out uh, after that. Um, so just with that alone, I think that's one of the reasons why it became such a classic. And I think, you know, I don't know what the, main reason that criterion collection would decide to make a, a hd was it 4k remaster of the of the first two films i mean police story 3 is probably the most known in terms of american audiences because it's known as super cop here so mm. you know there's yeah there, there's like this fancy like fold out poster with like um, a painting you know yeah. rendition of the art and he's got a semi-automatic uh in it and in the movie they all have the, these 38 special you know the the typical cop gun from the seventies or whatever. So it's like a reimagining and it looks really badass. And it, it, in seeing it, I was like, Oh man, this movie looks like it's going to be awesome. And I watched it I'm like, eh, it's kind of quaint, <laughs> but I'm glad that we saw it. I'm glad we did it. And I'll just do my summary and review. I, I think that this is a, a fun movie. And if you have the energy to get through it all, um, it's uh it's a fun watch. And you know, Jackie does his own stunts. He has an interesting plot line going on. There actually is some pretty smart dialogue going on. Uh, you get to see, um, you know, a lot of uh, kind of just fun little moments. There's, there's the slapstick in there that seems to be to differentiate him. And it kind of establishes him as um, kind of the brand, you know, the Jackie brand of of his persona. Uh, you can see that in his later films, his later work. So I think it kind of establishes him as, you know, the Jackie Chan that we all know and love. Um, 
And so, yeah, for that, I'll, I'll say it's a good movie and it's worth watching. I think it's, it's pretty heavily dated. The practical stunt work, though amazing, it kind of, due to the limitations of the time, they probably couldn't um, film it in such a way like Matrix style, where, you know, with some wires and some like different camera uh, technology, they could have gotten really uh, kind of more intimately like showing you what's going on and, and, and make it more exciting. But it's still it's it's really well done. And since you know that, you know, he's actually doing it, it's like, holy shit, that probably hurt, you know. <laughs> but uh, so I'm going to go with uh, five and a half on this. Um, so, you know, not the greatest review, but not not the worst. And uh, it was a fun discussion. Uh, I, now uh, I've set the stage for Robert to be the low man on the poll here uh, for the scoring. And then, then we'll finish off strong with you, Shane. So Robert, your, your final How summary. Dare you. you think I'm going to go below five and a half on a Jackie Chan Kung Fu movie? <laughs> you don't know who you're talking to, sir. Um, or I know I'm, a, you I'm a huge Kung Fu fan. I used to stay up late and watch HBO, you know, whatever they had, just any kind of, if it was Kung Fu, I was there. So that's, I, I'm just a big, I'm a big nerd for that kind of stuff. I also wanted to see the, you know, the new moves that they would do. Oh, did you see that tornado kick? That was sick. <laughs> you know, that's when I saw like Tony Jaw come out with all his uh, elbows and knees stuff. That was, that was really exciting too. But anyway, police story. Um, I think, I think they perfected, I think, you know, this is an early work by Jackie. I think he got better as he aged, not now. But, you know, when he hit his prime in like the, the late 90s, early 2000s, I think he was he was prime Jackie. Uh, this I think it's a little bit awkward when he goes from a serious crime drama movie to Three Stooges and then back to serious crime drama movie. It's just it was just offsetting, off putting to me like it took me out of the film like I understand he's kind of a goofy guy and I like Daniel was saying it's his brand mm -hmm. and I, I, I agree with that, but there are more subtle ways to mix the two things together. I think you kind of, you got your chocolate in my peanut butter and then peanut butter in my chocolate. And I, it's, it's a little bit off putting for my Western eyeball. So I can't obviously, and if I was a Hong Kong kid in 1985, I'd probably be eating this up with a spoon and laughing along with everybody else in the theater. Yeah, you. But <laughs> these Gaijin eyeballs in 2020, I it's a little bit like, you know, watching something you don't identify with. When I get the action, I get the drama, I get the story, but then the comedy is like, what? <laughs> so that it just, you know, wasn't wasn't for me, and that's fine. It doesn't have to be. It's not for everybody. So um, for me, though, but I can't I can't give it lower than a 5.5. And that's just less. No, this movie is well, way too well done, except for the final part. Um, story wise, just the cleverness. You, you can't you can't go below a, a 6.5. It's a strong it's between a 6.5 and a 7. So it's like a 6.7. Um, it's not Jackie's best work. I appreciate that. It's his favorite. And I actually I expected a whole lot more Kung Fu. There's really only like two main kung fu scenes maybe three that i can even remember i mean there's the bus scene then there's the scene where they're attacked in the alleyway and then there's the finale but in between all that it's like pretty decent written drama and i'm like okay this is good i didn't expect such good writing and that and there's probably still a whole bunch being left lost in translation so yeah 6.7 go see it good stuff all right, I'm not used to being the hater on this. So, Jane, um, maybe we've turned you. Maybe you'll be the the hater on this. Uh, what's your final sub review and score out of ten, please? Well, I mean, it's not fair because I mean, 
this is my favorite Jackie film. So, I mean, if I gave it anything less than a 10, I would, I would consider myself a, you know, a hater or something. I don't know. But, um, in, in terms of, um, like going from serious to, to comedic, I can definitely get someone who's, who's not used to that. Like, you know, that type of style or whatever I can understand, not just you, Robert, but ever, you know, anyone who's never seen it before her just kind of goes into it fresh and they go, wait, wait what? I, how? First they go from, you know, uh, being demeaning to the lady and then all of a sudden a pie to the guy's face, you know, and something like that, you know? So, um, but it, like, if you want to, if you want something more, uh, that's more serious drama and, and still of more of a cop film and it stars Jackie Chan, then I would suggest crime story. Cause that's more, that's like police story, but it's pretty much all the serious stuff. And, but it stars Jackie Chan. So if you want more of that type of thing, then I would suggest that. Um, and it was interesting that uh, Robert, that you said that Chan's, peak was late 90s early 2000s am i am i correct is that what you said for me yeah that was his um that was his rush hour slash um shanghai noon shanghai nights period hmm, that's interesting that you say that because i that was I, when he was peak hollywood uh, yeah well yeah that, in terms of action yeah, star yeah in terms of like international recognition that's yeah for sure his number right. one time uh for me though i think you know just his from his 80s to early 90s stuff to me is my personal favorite of his because I think he started to kind of, you know, once he did uh, Drunken Master 2, that was, to me, that was like his swan song. Like, I can I still got it, but after this, I'm probably not going to be able to do something like this ever again. And he hasn't done really anything that crazy in terms of just pure martial arts film because, or just pure action because that movie has a ton of action and, you know, interspersed with some of the drama and comedy that's in that film. But uh, sticking with Police Story, I mean... You know, you know, regardless of everything that has been said from you two in terms of, you know, the the serious to comedy going back and forth, the 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 mall scene not really making any sense other than, oh, we got we have the cool uh, finale, which I mean, to me, I mean, I watched that finale um, like once a month or so. And I was like, man, this is crazy. How are you able to do this type of stuff? And I know like for you, you know, you say that, well, oh, yeah, in 1985, they weren't able to have these type of angles, whatever. And, you know, we got all Matrix and all that stuff. But for me, for me, it's the perfect action film in terms of just pure, just an action, not like plot or anything like that, just just the action itself. I look at Police Story and I always, always go, I just, my head just explodes every time I see him getting knocked off and he, you know, he he lands in, on the floor in, uh, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but in, in the ending of the film where he gets pushed and uh, Jackie, like he, he goes through this like little, would it i don't know it's like really weak looking uh weak like barrier or something he goes through it and then he wakes up or he gets up and you did you, you, you notice that guy on the right side of the screen where he's going like this do you know what i'm talking about okay anyway i i, I can see it in my head but just the things like that like it's, it's just simple because if like if if one of us three did that or all three of us did something like that we probably be like, okay i'm probably not gonna ever want to walk again or something because you know it's crazy i just look at it from a pure action standpoint and just i mean I have to give it a 10 out of 10. I mean, that's the whole reason why I brought, you know, we're talking about it is because of me. And if I say, Oh yeah, Oh, two out of 10. Cause you guys convinced me it sucks. Whatever. <laughs> you know, but I definitely, um, I definitely understand your points. So I'm definitely not just going to, you know, say screw everything you just said and everything negative. I'm just going to look at it with a blind, you know, with wipers and whatever. But, um, it, it there's definitely some loss in translation for sure. Uh, I think the, the, the courtroom scenes were good. Uh, the beginning is definitely in terms of just the opening of an, of any film. I think it's really good. It really kind of, you know, okay, we, we're going to, you know, this is going to be good. We're going to, we're going to get into this. All right, cool. And then, uh, just it, cause for me, it, to me, it, you know, maybe cause I don't, I don't know a whole lot about Kung Fu as much as, uh, as much as you do, Robert, but for me, it like, I don't even think a whole lot of 
kung fu was done. It just, it's just for him, you know, oh, I'm going to push this guy through a car door and it's going to fall off the car. That's not definitely. You know. Yeah. Jackie Chan movies are never about technique and right. school style moves. It's more about interacting with the environment right. and yeah, exactly. And then how much damage the hero takes and he perseveres and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and for that, like if we ever, you know, uh, in a future time, we talk about police story too. It's like, you thought he took a beating in the first one in the second film. Holy Jesus Christ, man, that guy gets an ass whooping at the end of the film, Jackie Chan. I mean, Jesus. And then for, he's like, Oh my God, he still wins. Damn. Talk about perseverance, holy shit! <laughs> uh, but yeah, and if we want to, if we want to talk about Police Story two at a future time, I'm totally there. We can talk about all the Police Story films. I mean, Jesus, but um, because the first two really go hand in hand, and then three and four kind of go hand in hand because they're directed by Stanley Tong, the same guy. Um, and then five and and five and six are just in name only, really, because the fifth one's New Police Story. Six of them. Yeah, there's six of them. The fifth one's new police story, and then the sixth one's like police story 2013 or police story lockdown. I don't know. I watched that lockdown film, and I'm just like, this is by far the worst. How many did Jackie do? Just the first three? No, he did all six of them. He's in all. Oh, of them. oh. But it just in terms of like you know partnering or whatever. The first two obviously kind of go hand in hand because the second one takes place about a little like after the first one, and then three he's with Michelle Yeoh, uh, of course, super cop as it's known in America and international. And then four is uh, Jackie Chan's first strike. That's what it's known as. But it's actually the fourth police story film. Hmm. But yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. For, my, for my score, 10 out of 10. I'm sorry. <laughs> you have nothing to apologize, sir. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. You, you brought it. And uh, I, I think you defended it pretty well. Uh, and I'd, I'd love to have you come back and do uh, police story two and, and any of the other ones. That'd be awesome. And to the point of um, peak Jackie Chan. Yeah. Robert, I got what you were saying that that was like his Hollywood peak but uh chain you're probably thinking about his physical peak i don't think of jackie chan as this like super cut ripped dude no. i think of it a little bit like maybe a little bit roundy town poundy you know but um the shirtless scene in this i was like holy crap he's that like fit because even even um in this movie you see him with like these um little sweater things on or whatever and he just he kind of looks like jackie chan but that that one scene yeah he's cut i mean he's like peak physical form uh in the 80s and 90s i think yeah, he had to be what mid twenties. Uh, sixty-five now. So what was that? That's thirty years ago. Thirty-five years ago. Yeah, he was born in fifty-four, I believe. So he was probably in his thirties or so. 30 he's thirty-one, thirty-something. Yeah. Yeah, and as we know, we old men here, it's all downhill from there. Um, you'll get, you'll get there, Shane. <laughs> Don't ever grow up. Cherish, <laughs> die young, my friend. <laughs> Cherish it. <laughs> but uh, anyway, this this is a lot of fun, and uh, we will um, continue on a little bit longer in our Kathleen Turner Overdrive available for our Patreon supporters. So go to lastnighters.com slash Patreon uh, if Shane, if you're able to stick around for, for that as well. Um, this is episode 117 of the show. The show notes more and everything will be on lastnighters.com slash 117. You also find this on the Launchpad Media. Uh, Robert, there are a couple of ways that people can support what we do here. But if you wouldn't mind listing them off uh, just real briefly, real quickly, uh, maybe throw in like a, a teaser of some sort for something um, that we might do or promise and then not actually do. Uh, that would be good because then we could like under deliver. What are you talking about? I am so confused right now. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. I'll just say that, um, yeah, you can support us by uh, reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us. You can uh, support us on Patreon. You could buy a t shirt at trebster.com. You could. Do any of those things and more. You are infinitely more creative and you can probably think of many other ways to support us. Simply by telling a friend, recommending the podcast to anybody who's interested in podcasts. You know, there's a lot of people who are 
sitting around lately due to these uh, pandemic lockdown stuffs, and they are looking for entertainment. They're finding themselves with more free time, and maybe they're looking to improve themselves. I don't know if you can improve yourself with this podcast. No, definitely not. <laughs> you could maybe learn a thing or two, but only like accidentally. Yeah. Yeah, purely so, yeah. accidentally. Yeah. So if you're, if, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd recommend us for, you know, self-improvement, but for maybe a little bit of perverse entertainment, you can do it this way. Okay. And and even leave us a hate review. We got one a, a little while ago. Uh, some uh, left anarchist was like, one out of five stars. This is not real anarchy. You guys are terrible. You support the free market and voluntary interactions. It's like the worst thing ever. That's, uh, that's you know, me paraphrasing. Um, <laughs> I'm waiting for libertarianism to be blamed for the pandemic. So oh, it's already happened. It's already oh, happened. Being blamed. I mean, come on, you're you're late to the game there. <laughs> yeah, I'll the articles. We've already been blamed. Yeah, oh, yeah. Caitlin. We don't Johnson. run anything though. So how are we to blame? There's a couple uh, of people that tweeted about it. Oh yeah, this whole thing basically proves that libertarianism is dead. Okay, sir. All right, ma'am. Yeah. Crystal Ball. Crystal Ball put something out that said that yeah, this is your libertarian ideal. It's failed. This is yeah, but they had to take they had to get rid of red tape and regulations. No, yeah, totally not. That's totally not a libertarian thing to do is get rid of regulations and red tape. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, you know, there, there's a there's an old curmudgeon guy. Um, we'll call him Bob because that's his name. I'm not going to say his last name, but uh, he challenges a lot of these um, people who write these things. He'll go right on their you know pro public uh, page, like famous uh, journalists and whatever, and be like, "Hey, I challenge you to." Prove to me that you even understand the Austrian position or the libertarian position before you go and denigrate it like this. Mm -hmm. And not one of them ever, uh, ever demonstrates that they understand what, you know, what we're really all about. So no, they never do. It's always straw man tax. Yeah. And from yeah. my understanding, just, you know, as of this recording, the most recent uh, Jimmy Dore episode, um, I think he had, he had Dave Smith on because I guess uh, there were some people saying that Jimmy Dore was criticizing libertarians or whatever about all this stuff. And, and I guess uh, people were telling Jimmy, hey, you should have Dave Smith on at least, you know, at least have him present the libertarian position so you have an understanding. It's kind of funny too because I'm sure you would attest this and agree, but you know, a lot of the left, you know, left wing, uh, I don't know, what do you want to call them, socialists or even just progressives, whatever, they they would find themselves agreeing with libertarians more often than they think they do. You know, especially like, you know, the 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 uh, stance on you know anti-war, uh, you know, all the government spending and all that stuff. The they war. a lot of stuff. It's just the way I look at it, it's just how they, in terms of the solution of how to fix the problems and where that money should go, that's kind of where the butting heads go, you know? So Yeah, yeah. We, we've said this in the past, uh, and, and we should probably wind this down here uh, before getting the bonus stuff, that um, oftentimes the left and, and like a Bernie Sanders type will be very good at identifying there's a problem with X. There's yeah. something wrong with X, but their prescription is more of what the problem <laughs> was caused by. Exactly. Uh, how they don't see that is, is kind of beyond me. But government is doing this bad stuff here, but I think the government should do this over here, you know, because it won't be that bad. Oh, okay, well, why more power. Yeah. More what, if, what if we can make the government good and then give it more power? That would that would solve everything. Right. Yeah. Just wait till it's a fully operational battle station. Then <laughs> then we'll see how effective it can be. Let's go. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, this has been uh, 117 of Last Nighters. Uh, show notes more at the URL that you all know. And uh, we'll have links to Shane's show, um, What's Happening. And uh, do check that out. I'll have my appearance as well on there. And we will see you guys all next week as we, uh, I haven't mentioned this yet. We're going to be hopping on that uh, egalitarian train, Robert. We're going to be talking Snowpiercer Ooh. with Olaf, no. the anarcho Viking. Oh, the future so dystopian train around the world. Yeah, All that right. should be pretty badass. And that's it's Captain that's America. Movie. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, Captain America and the director of Parasite, the Academy Award winning best picture film. 
Yep, yep. Uh, I, I don't know how. Did you Bong say it right? Bong Joon. Did I say it right, Shane? I don't remember. Bong Joon Ho. Bong Joon Ho. Yeah, that's right. All right. Good. Good. I, see, Shane, you're here for for a good reason. Tell us how to say it <laughs> properly. <laughs> how do you pronounce this? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, cool. it, <laughs> yeah, you just make it up. Anyway, that's great. Uh, but anyway, this has been uh, Last Nighters, and we will say uh, good night from a last night. All right, and, and I'm psyching everyone just a little bit because we do we do have another moment of actual anarchy before we wind that down. And then we get into Kathleen Dirt Override, which is the bonus stuff. So I always like to try to save a, a question for this. And um, I didn't really have one in particular, but I did notice in this film that the brass in the police were not necessarily portrayed as very competent or uh, very uh, effective in their jobs. And so I thought that that was actually... Uh, points in the favor of liking this film. So I might revise my score a little bit and bring it, bump it up a notch just because of, you know, they, they were clearly um, politicizing everything and trying to um, uh, shed their uh, planning and everything in the best possible light. And, and they were clearly um, misrepresenting things uh, not only to the public and then they had the propaganda and to the, uh, the witness they were trying to strong arm into being a witness for them. And I thought that was pretty on its face. Um, obviously like as a viewer, you're going to be like, Oh yeah, th these guys are doing something. That's not a good thing. And to see that in film is actually kind of nice. Uh, Robert, do you have a response to that at all? No, Daniel. Excellent work. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. Uh, Shane. So no, I, I, no, I, Daniel, I would agree. Um, although I would say that the, I mean, they're bad at darts, but I think that was the metaphor for how ineffective they are at their job. I think mm. that was the purpose of that scene. Isn't there always a scene in a cop movie, though, where the good guy goes rogue and the police detective or the, the sergeant in charge is like, damn you. And, you know, you got to do what I say. And then but in this movie, he like kidnaps the guy. Give and, me your, like, guys, your gun. Yeah, he does that because he knows that no one's going to, you know, if he takes the superintendent, no one's going to attack him. Uh, we can't kill the superintendent. So but don't they also sometimes of the, the, the head honcho ever in, in the police force? In some of those movies, aren't they also the the secret bad guy? Mm, yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that's pretty often. Mm -hmm. Oh, and and uh, one other point I was gonna make in the last portion of the show. Sorry, last night's audience, you miss out on this brilliant tidbit. Um, <laughs> that movie or that video game I was talking about, Sleeping Dogs, set in Hong Kong. There is a lot of uh, interaction with the environment, so you can like smash, you know, a telephone booth on somebody and throw garbage cans at them and things like that. So I think that is uh, maybe directly influenced by Jackie Chan and this film because he does interact with the environment so much and he uses, you know, like the car door and he like slips through it and kicks the guy in the face, like very fluidly. Right. Uh, and I see that kind of in, in gameplay. And, and I think in um, other film that's had a lot of influence mm -hmm. uh, and even his, um, he still, or I don't know if he still does, but he has the Jackie Chan stunt company. And so they actually work with other films creating the physical stunts. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The Jackie Chan stunt team. Yeah. 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 So, Good work all around. I'm surprised he's uh, one of those uh, super successful and rich Hollywood types that uh, seems to like the socialism. But <laughs> I mean, how, I mean, how it goes, course, I guess. Course, right. I mean, if you're not that, then, you know, he'll probably be like a, a what's his name? Like Nick Searcy or who, who else? Uh, Dean Kane or something like that. I don't know. 
where if you're not a socialist or a left winger or a Kevin Sorbo, you know, if you're, if you're a Kevin Sorbo too, you'll be, Oh yeah. They get religious. Movies. Nobody gives a shit. You know, go and do your, 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 uh, you know, like, what are they, what are they called? Um, those big, big, uh, religious movies that came out that were made, like they were box office hits and I can't remember what they're called. Like the oh, epic dead. That's it. God's not dead. Do those movies or something like that. Other than that. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Well, you see also see how, um, star Lord got taken. Am I saying what's his Chris, name? Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Yeah, he like what posted some hunting or Good boy. had a, like a wore a "Don't Tread on Me" shirt and like well, it was clearly a white supremacy symbol. <laughs> right. it's white supremacy. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. No, you are a heretic in Hollywood if you go outside the allowable card of opinion. But, but see, he's Star Lord, and he's also in uh, he's also Owen in Jurassic World. So we can't we can't just you know take his character out. I mean, I know his politics aren't us, but he's so popular and charismatic. You know, or I guess even a Tom Cruise too, even though he's not. You know, he's a Scientologist, but I don't really know. You know, he's kind of out there too, I guess, right? Well, just jumping on Oprah's couch. Um, I don't know too much about his like political leanings, but he's not as outspoken, I think, as like say a Matt Damon, who's he has a gun in like ninety percent of his movies, and then he's like all about gun control. It's like, all right. so, isn't that weird how that happens though? It's just like you're saying all this bullshit out when you're not in character, but when you're in character, I am so into this character. It's like I had to get into the mind, and I know who I am, and all stuff. It's like uh, what's his name, Nick Offerman, who's that character in uh, oh, what's that show called, Parks and Rec, who's like yeah, yeah. libertarian symbol or whatever, but the actor's like complete opposite of that, and you're just like, yeah, Ron Swanson, your damn character, come on. Ron Swanson has some great lines. Yeah, I know. Yeah, right? He does. One of my favorite Ron Swanson scenes is where he's like barbecuing a pig in the park. The cop comes up to him and he's like, you got a permit for that? And he's like, yeah, I got my permit right here. And it's just a little piece of paper and it says, I do what I want. Classic. And and you wouldn't think that the actor would be like, you know, I, I kind of like that mindset. But no, I want government to take over everything and take control of all that stuff. Eh, I don't yeah, know. I got I got hoodwinked by, uh, by Offerman because... I knew of him from Parks and Rec. And so when he had this comedy special that came out, I don't know, a couple of years ago on Netflix, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll watch that. It was like American something, American Ham, maybe. Hmm. Is that what it's called, Robert? Do you remember? And I, tried I remember, but I don't like 10 called. minutes. And I was like, oh, God. No, he's, he's just, just Trump. Sure. Yeah. I mean, hell, you can even like, even like a Joe Rogan. I mean, Jesus Christ, when he was uh, supporting Bernie Sanders, they're all like, can't believe Bernie Sanders is touting Joe Rogan's support. And it's just like, Joe Rogan is almost as like you are. Who gives? Oh, it's because he talked to Ben Shapiro and Milo Yiannopoulos, and he had on Jordan Peterson, and he's friends with those guys, Dave Rubin. He had Dave Smith. Well, I guess Dave Smith. I mean, as, as much as I love Dave Smith, I mean, Hollywood doesn't really care about him. I'm sorry, Dave. but He doesn't it, exist. Yeah. Not yet. Not yet. Any libertarian, eh. Even though a character like Ron Swanson can be, uh, uh, can be used as comedic purposes, but in terms of real life, what are you, crazy? Well, the left's understanding of libertarianism is the Ron Swanson character. That, they yeah, don't have a deeper understanding of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, not only that, they all they'll say, "Oh, you've been you read Atlas Shrugged, right?" It's like, no, that's whatever. I mean, there's a whole strand of. I mean, there's a there's a was it uh, like the and the Ayn Rand Foundation or something like that where they all talk about like objectivism and stuff like that. And she doesn't even she was talking shit about libertarians when she was alive. So I don't know. Yeah. My, listen to Michael Malice; he talks shit about libertarians all the time. So I don't know. Yeah, and we like and dislike almost everybody almost equally <laughs> yeah. opportunity haters right no but i i uh, i do enjoy uh dave's show and uh malice's stuff uh listen to woods every once in a while mm -hmm. uh watch you guys a little bit um but i mean other than that i mean you know there's only so much time in the day i mean yeah you know, yeah dave is the main reason that nico and i are libertarians or at least we you know lean that way for sure 
So sometimes, you know, we'll find ourselves being like, I don't know how I would answer that in terms of, you know, a libertarian answer or what that would, what that would be like. And then he comes up with an episode and we go, okay, well, he, I don't know, he always puts it in a way where he, I never even, you know, we, we, we're just like, oh, because he just puts it in a way we just never thought of it, you know, before. I don't know, he's always really good at and how in, in terms of uh, presenting a libertarian argument. Because he yeah. said like layman terms, you know, like with like with a Tom Woods or a Bob Murphy, you know, obviously, you know, they're they're very highly educated and they, you know, they they're very smart. But in terms of with like Dave Smith, he kind of puts it more of a layman's term. So someone like me who's a dummy, I'm like, okay, I get what you're saying, you know. But yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing with Dave. Like, I'll listen to him. I'm like, yeah, I agree with everything he's saying, and in fact, that's ex almost exactly how I think of it. But I can't articulate it how he's doing it, right. and it, it seems like it's so easy. But it's actually really hard because there's so much nuance sometimes in a lot of this stuff where you have to go down so many rabbit trails to like get to the point, especially when you're like debating with somebody. And then, uh, you know, Woods, I think I, I find him um, pretty good with explaining stuff like not not over the top intellectual. But Bob Murphy, as much as I love the guy, I find I have a hard time following some of the stuff he's saying. And I just don't know if it's, you know, I'm a dummy or, or maybe he's like presenting it at a higher level. Did, um, did you listen to the episodes they did? Uh they were like uh, they weren't right next to each other. I wish he had. I wish he'd done them like episode one and two type of thing. But he did where uh, like um, it was like questions for progressives, and he did like forty minutes of just well, if you believe in this, then why don't you believe in this? And blah 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 blah. And yeah. he did conservatism, and that was really good too. It's like well, if you believe in the military, then don't you think that military would be do 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 do? Because he's all you know about all the you know the um the you know obviously the Austrian and all that stuff. But yeah, those those were I think he did really good with kind of explaining those because he's questioning other people who aren't libertarians but yeah i think in terms of because he he, t he mainly talks about you know economics and all that stuff and you know i think you have to really kind of either be really interested in it or just have somewhat of a you know somewhat of an understanding of it to kind of i guess understand what he's talking about because you know that's why anyone when they say oh well how'd you learn about economics in a in a libertarian mindset was like well i listen you know watch or I read Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt. I mean, you're, you're rarely hear someone say, well, I read Choice by Bob Murphy. Because Choice is like the intermediate step. It's like, first you read Economics One One Lesson, and then as you go on, you say, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll read Choice or whatever. It's not a knock on Bob Murphy. It's just how it is for most people, you know? Yeah. You would agree. Robert, you have that choice book. I, I understand that it's, um, it's a reinterpretation of human action, but in a more digestible format. So if you haven't read it, uh, I'd, I'd recommend it. I, I actually probably want to read it myself to kind of, brush up on that stuff but bob does definitely have it in him because those uh those two episodes you're talking about the questions for progressive and questions for conservatives those are in that format that are more um digestible and understandable right. um and i really enjoy his um his tactic of like using the argument of the opposing um side and their data mm -hmm. and conceding everything they're claiming and still showing that they're wrong i yeah. love that that's like great the like the contra krugman podcast he does yeah yeah or or the climate change stuff uh, he's really good with oh, that. Good, yeah. Because anytime yeah. I see someone on my Facebook feed talking about climate change, I'm just, you know, I mean, I don't know. If, do, you, do you guys think climate change is real or do you think it's fake? I think the climate's always changing. Yeah. It depends yeah, so, on what you mean by climate change. So like anytime I see, well, well, uh, people would think that climate change is a man-made. I got some data for you. And I'm just thinking, well, no, dumb. Well, obviously, I think it's man-made. I mean, and then someone said, uh, someone said recently, well, you know, with all these uh, businesses uh, being closed, hmm. Yeah, all these carbon emissions have been slowing down. It's like, wow, really? I never would have guessed it. No businesses are open. Well, guess what? That also means the economy is going to be dead. You fucking idiot. So I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way. I don't know. <laughs> you know, we we probably ended there and get into our Kathleen Turner overdrive because this is this is still the actual anarchy portion of the show. We're starting to get a little wild here. Uh oh, I know. 
we usually have people pay for this extra, you know, the cursing and the sorry. The sorry so no, no, this is good. We we've cursed a few times already. So anyway, uh, this is episode one seventy four of Actual Anarchy. Actual Anarchy dot slash one seventy four. We'll be back next week with Olaf the Narco Viking talking about Snowpiercer and uh, check out Shane Show. Shane does it with his wife Nico, and yep. uh, I think how I worded that might be taken a couple of different ways. Uh, check it out. Uh, what's happening? And uh, we will see you guys next week for Snowpiercer. Maximum freedom, everyone. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. The Chipmunks. C H I P M U N K. We're the chipmunks. Guaranteed to brighten your day. Do 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 do. days of the internet, radical libertarians were scattered, lonely, and faceless. Without direction, they resigned to scour the web, sifting through content providers in a wasteland plagued by YouTube demonetization, Facebook jail, and covert internet censorship. But then, in 2017, the Libertarian Union was formed. Finally, the average Joe Libertarian could find a thriving community of independent podcasters and content providers, all in one convenient location. At Libertarian Union, we'll always have the latest news, interviews, discussions, and even movie reviews. With hundreds of episodes and more added all the time, you'll always find something fresh at libertarianunion.com.